It is Texas Money and Business Indeed. I am Ron Taylor. It's good to have you right here on the show today once again. And our host for the show is the amazing, the incredible, the wonder that he is. Doug Parker is here with Ambitious Radio Network, and Doug is on the air. Good to see you again, Doug. Well, hey, good to see you as well, and thanks for that introduction. I don't know how wonderful I am, but, uh, <laughs> but I appreciate that. Uh, today, we've got a, a great show planned. We've got uh, a, good, a good friend of mine that over the years, we've done a lot of business together. Matter of fact, uh, at one point, we had a business together. We've got Philip Vivier with us online. Philip, are you there? I am. Hi, Doug. Fantastic. Well, thanks for joining the show. Oh, my absolute pleasure. Thanks for having me. Yes, sir. Well, I'll tell you what, as we get started, as always, you know, we want to definitely thank our sponsors who make it possible. We've got free electricity, dfw.com, where you've got an opportunity to save some money on electricity if your bill's a little too high. We've got repairmycreditnow.com, loyal, uh, loyal to us, and we appreciate that. And we've got all3reports.com. That's all the number three reports with an s.com for credit reporting and credit scoring needs if you've got those log on and check those things out uh today you know we're going to be talking about entrepreneurship we're going to talk about business uh finance you know and, and other just interesting topics and you know i've known philip for quite a while and and uh you're an interesting cat to say the least so uh <laughs> philip philip you know comes to us uh via south africa uh, he's a South African, and uh, you know we'll we'll talk a little bit about you know his his growing up and and the different things. But uh, you might notice he's got a little bit of an accent. I got a little accent. Mine's East Texas. His is far East Texas. But uh, anyway, Philip, tell us just kind of a, a little bit about some of the things that um, that you've had going on and kind of where you came from and how you came to uh, this great America we've got here. Well, let's just start by saying that I think your accent may be a little more difficult to understand than mine, <laughs> coming from East Texas. Uh, but yeah, originally from South Africa, uh, fortunate enough to immigrate in 1985, uh, spent the last two years in South Africa in the South African Army, and then uh, came out here and uh, was lucky enough to be able to get here with $600 and a suitcase to my name. Um, landed in Houston, lived with some family, and what was a six-month visitor's visa, they actually shortened to three months when I got to the airport through immigration. And so real quickly, uh, after three months, I became an illegal alien. And uh, well, that, I was that, illegal. That's politically for... incorrect to say that, you realize. <laughs> well, it's, uh, it's a fact. I was <laughs> illegal. And uh, fortunately, you know, in those days, if you went to the immigration and you said to them that you're wanting to travel, they allowed you to open up a bank account. And in order to open up a bank account, they would give you a social security number, but on the card, it would say not valid for employment. So I had one of those and I opened up a bank account and uh, I was told from day one to make sure I paid my taxes, which I did. And uh, I was literally illegal for six years uh, until I'm, oh. I, I met my wife. Um, we've been married, January will be 25 years now. And uh, uh, a, thank you very much. There's actually a funny story about the final interview, which if we have time, we'll, we'll talk about later for my green card and my uh, citizenship towards the end, but uh, nobody could hire me. That was the issue that I had. And so real quick, when you, when you come to a different country, fortunately, I spoke the language, albeit a little differently. The problem I had was I had no money. I had $600 and nobody could hire me. So I wasn't able to go and find work. I had to create something. And that's kind of how I got started on, on the entrepreneurship and, and everything that I've done now 30 years later. And it's, uh, it's been an incredible ride. You know, it's like the old roller coaster ride. You're going to go up and down and just don't jump off, and then you won't get hurt. That's kind of where I've been. 
Sure, sure. Well, I'll tell you what, you know, like I said, we, we've known each other for, for quite a long time, and, and I was mm-hmm. reading back through your bio the other day, and, and, you know, I ran across some of the information that you put on there, and, and I don't know if you had always publicly talked about it. I think the first time we talked about it, um, it was it was something that maybe you, you hadn't spoken about much, but but I saw it on your bio, so I, I'm sure I'm okay to visit a little bit. So, you know, you in, in South Africa, when you grew up there, mm-hmm. uh, you had mentioned that you had, you had spent some time, you were an orphan. And, yes. and and then you know I know that was a, a kind of a trying time and you came out of it. But talk talk a little bit about that experience and and I know it kind of encouraged you to be a little bit entrepreneurial even even at at a very early age. Uh, yeah, uh, you know, unfortunately, I was uh, eight years old, uh, turning nine a week later when my dad uh, passed away from his eighth heart attack at the age of forty six, and then uh, a couple of years later, my mom at forty three got cancer and uh, died within a year, and so. Uh, I had uh, my, I have an older sister who was uh, who is four years older than me, but was too young to take care of me. So I landed up in an orphanage, and uh, real quick, you you uh, you find out uh, that man, you've got to you you really grow up in a hurry. You just do. And so one of the things that I used to do to to try and make extra money was I started making handmade jewelry. Uh, back in the day, it was the puka shells, and then I also had a whole bunch of leather work that I would do. I'd make watch straps and belts and purses and wallets and that kind of stuff. And then I'd go around on the weekends and try and sell them and, and had some success. And, you know, back in those days, if I could make, uh, I think the the allowance that I was getting from the orphanage at the time was honestly 53 cents a week. Um, and I was coming home on the Sunday and I'd have about 40 to 50 dollars, 50 rand rather in my pocket. And so, you know, I, I was living large, if you will. Uh, but um, it's just it's just one of the things that uh, you do what you have to do, and especially when your when your back's up against the wall. And it's it's instilled in me the value of you know what you, if it is to be, it is up to me, and you just go out there and you make it happen. Sure, sure. Well, you know, w- one of the things um, you, you had mentioned to me, kind of in the in the pre-show prep, you know, we were talking, and mm-hmm. you had talked about one of your favorite quotes. And so, uh, so t- tell us what's that? What's your favorite quote? Without question. Uh, without question at all, the my favorite quote is: "If you want milk, don't sit in the middle of the pasture and wait for the cow to back up to you." Uh, the author is unknown on that one, and as you American folks would say, "If you want milk, don't sit in the middle of the pasture and wait for the cow to back up to you." I just think it's a it's a great way to it's just an incredible thing to look at, and and you realize that you know what, not everything's going to come to you if you just sit back and wait on it. If you want something, go and get it. Uh, do it in the polite and accurate and, and obviously an honest and uh, don't do anything illegal, but uh, just go and get it. If you want to make it happen, just go and make it happen. Well, you know, that's that's kind of funny. You know, one of the one of the trademarks that, that we've got and, and uh, is is be ambitious. And, you know, it's kind of go out there, uh, you know, grab grab the bull by the horns and, and get it done, because like you said, it's not going to come to you. And one, one of my favorite quotes I think I talked about a few weeks ago was. Uh, one of Abraham Lincoln's, and it says that uh, good things come to those that hustle, but only the – I'm sorry, good things come to those that wait, but only the things that are left by those that hustle. And so you know, it ties in really nicely there. So let me ask you kind of a random question, Philip. Uh, in, your, in your time growing up in, in Africa, did you ever wrestling lines or, or uh, anything like that? <laughs> yeah, I didn't wrestle any, uh, any lines, but I had the pleasure of going to school every day on an elephant. <laughs> really, really. <laughs> and if you believe that, I've got – Perhaps some land I'd like to sell you. <laughs> yeah, I bet you do. I bet you do. Well, so so in South Africa, let's just talk a little bit more about that. Sure. sure. Um, so 
so you grew up there, and then and you left after you served in in the military. So that's is that that's kind of a requirement in 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 South Africa. In in those days, uh, back in the eighties, it was a requirement, and so I ended up uh, going into the army for for two years. I was in the armored cars division, so I was learning how to drive tanks and armored cars, and uh, did that for two years. And the funny thing is about two, maybe three weeks before I was going to be discharged, I contracted chickenpox. I was 21 years old and I got chickenpox. And they actually had to put me into a military hospital because it's highly contagious. And uh, when I finally got out of the army, when I boarded the plane to come to America, I was being looked at rather peculiarly because I had all of these scabs on my face and blisters from this chickenpox. So I was A, very lucky to get here. And then the funniest story about my coming out was in South Africa in December, it's summer. And so me and my wisdom, I jumped on that plane in shorts and a T-shirt and I landed in New York City on the 26th of December, 1985 in shorts and a T-shirt. Whoa. And got off the plane and literally got into a cab, went down to Manhattan, ran out of the cab, jumped onto the first bus that I could find and ended up touring Harlem within five minutes of arriving in New York. Uh, freezing cold, the only guy anywhere to be seen in shorts and a t-shirt. Welcome to America. I bet so. Yeah, what a what a uh, <laughs> an embracing welcome there. Well, that that's that's very interesting. Uh, we'll we'll wrap up this segment here in just a minute. And uh, you know, if if you guys uh, listeners tune in Mondays, I'm sorry, on Wednesdays from ten o'clock until eleven o'clock, and like us on Facebook. Go to the Ambitious Radio Network. Pretty much everything that we do, we're going to put on uh, Facebook or we'll put it on the website, ambitiousradio.com. After this break, we're going to be talking to Philip a little bit more about personalities and, and different things of how that you can adapt to be effective in communicating with uh, all the different types of uh, personalities that are out there. Philip does training. He's an author. There's several things that he's done. So we'll talk a little bit more about that right after the break here on KBCE. And we are back on Texas Money and Business. Ron Taylor with you. So good to have you here. Thanks for joining us. Ambitious Radio Network is on the air with my friend Doug Parker. Doug? All right. Well, hey, thanks for that uh, that welcome back. And Philip Vivier, uh, good good talking to you, sir. How are you doing today? Great. Thank you, Doug. Appreciate it, man. How are you doing? Man, fantastic. So let's let's talk a little bit about personalities. I know over the years uh, I learned a lot of a lot of different things from you and some of the training actually that you did for us. And so I know that you are a professional trainer. Uh, you've actually written written a book as it relates to sales and uh, some some things uh, with personalities. But let's talk a little bit about that. How did you get into you know the personalities? What was intriguing about that for you that that made you decide to start uh, using it yourself and then ultimately training on it? I actually stumbled into it to be to be very honest with you. Um, I had a company in Houston for many years and ended up selling it in uh, 2003. Moved to Dallas in January of 2004 and took a job selling radio at, uh, at the time, Susquehanna. And I was selling for the Wolf Ticket Bone and KLIF. And um, one of the things that I was having an issue with, I was making 50 cold calls a day. And I could not figure out why, if I was saying the exact same thing, the exact same way, why some people were being phenomenal to me on the phone and others were just hanging up on me and being real mean. And uh, it dawned on me that, you know what, maybe it's because I'm saying the same thing the exact same way that people are having different reactions to me. So I started 
doing a little bit of uh, investigations and I looked back and I, I figured out what makes people do what they do? Um, what about the different personality types? Uh, how do you differentiate between them? How do you talk to them? And I actually went back and did some research as far back as Aristotle, Plato, and from, and of course you've got um, all of the, uh, the Myers-Briggs that everybody's very familiar with. And uh, what I did was I compiled all this information and then I dummied it down so that I could understand it. Because if I can understand it, man, let me tell you, anybody can. And so what I ended up doing was I stopped selling. The day that I figured all this out, I actually stopped selling. And I started talking to people and, more importantly, listening to them. And it got to the point where when I made a cold call, I could literally tell within 30 to 40 seconds what type of personality type I felt they had. And then based on that, would dictate how I spoke to them. And uh, I'll give you a quick uh, example of that. If, if I was talking to somebody that was a driver uh, or a gold personality type, you never want to help someone like that. So you could never call and say, I'd like to help you with your marketing because drivers, by, for the most part, they just don't like to be helped. But they don't mind you assisting all day long. So I would use the word assist, talking to someone like that. When you were talking to somebody that, was, that I felt was a... Uh, an amiable person, a nurturer, I would use words like love. I would use uh, uh, very uh, nurturing words. And so what ended up happening was when I was making these 50 cold calls a day to try and get two or three people to actually talk to me, I figured out that if I did that and I used the personality approach, I actually stopped making all those calls. I made about 15 to 20 calls a day and I had about eight to 10 meetings set from it. And so for me, that was the huge aha moment and then there's a gentleman out of Buddha, Texas, who talks about the brain and how the brain works and how people make decisions. And so I, I, I did a lot of uh, studies and, and figured out how that worked. And then once I had the personalities down and then how the, the brain worked and how we make decisions, I put those two together and ended up having a very successful radio career. So that's kind of how I got to it. The gentleman by the name in Buddha, Texas, his name is Roy Williams, and he is a phenom when it comes to marketing. Is that a football player? Unfortunately not. He's, uh, he's got a university down in Buda, Texas, which is real close to Austin. And uh, the guy's just incredible, truly gotcha. incredible. So a couple of things that you threw out there, Philip, were yep. you you'd mentioned gold and driver and amiable and, and a few other things. So let's talk about the four different personality styles, because I've heard of, you know, like the Myers-Briggs and the, and the DISC and, and some of those things. But let's talk about, you know, kind of what you what you came up with, the four different ones. I heard you mention gold, but are there other colors and, and, and kind of what's the differentiator on them? Yeah, sure. So um, there's, a, there's a gentleman called David Kersey who wrote a book called True Colors. And really, when you look at Myers-Briggs and you look at DISC and you look at the animals and you, and you look at all of this stuff, they, they really are all saying the same kind of sort of thing. They're just saying it a little differently. And as I said earlier, I had to really dummy this down so that I could understand it. And when you're doing Myers-Briggs, there's 16 different personality types and there's letters and you've got to try and remember the letters and you've got to try and remember what each one means. And David Kersey came up with this deal where there's four colors. There's a gold, a green, an orange, and a blue. And each one of those denotes a specific personality type. So the gold is a driver. They, they are, for the most part, people that you would find in respectable occupations such as police officers, prison guards, head coaches, you'll often find CEOs of companies. Then you've got the analytical people who are the green. They are the thinkers of the world. They are in the technical type occupations, which are engineers, 
if you ever, God forbid, needed a, a brain surgeon surgery, you'd, you'd go to a neurosurgeon that you would hope it would be green. Um, and then the influencer, the socializer is the orange color. They're in uh, occupations that are more along the action type, which is firefighters and salesmen, actors, that kind of thing. And then the amiable, the feelers, the nurturers, they are in the nurturing occupations, which are like the nurses, the volunteers, and uh, kindergarten teachers. Now, when I say there are four different types, we actually are made up of all four. So what I look for is just the most dominant one within that person. And I do it by a process of elimination. And that's how you can get to that, what, what you think they are within 30 to 45 seconds. If you're talking to somebody and they're straightforward and to the point, there's no way. If I, if for, for example, if I said to you, Doug, hey, Doug, how are you today? And you just reply saying, fine, well, there's a good probability that you're not going to be a very nurturing type, blue feeler, amiable person. So I would eliminate the blue. Um, when we are communicating and talking, if, if you start being very direct with me, and short, then I know that you are not going to be the, the influencer or the orange. If you are pressing me for a bunch of information uh, from all different sides of, of the world and what, what it is and how it is and how it's happening, then uh, you're probably not a driver. You're probably more of an analytical. And that's kind of how I get there. And so based on that dictates how I communicate with them and how I even send my emails. Okay. So, so you use it you know, not only with your verbal communication – but you you also use it in, in your emails and how you're going to write an email out to someone. Yeah, and not only that, I can actually identify a person's dominant personality type three ways, either in person, over the phone, or even via an email that they have sent to me. And that is huge. If you're ever sending an email out to anybody for business and you are an analytical type person, you write out an email that is five paragraphs and 500 words, yeah, and you send it to a guy up. like myself, who's more of an orange type, the socializer, influencer. Man, the only stuff that I'm going to read is anything that you've got highlighted, bolded, or perhaps underlined. I'm, there's just no way that I'm going to read through all that. I've bought three houses in my life, and I guarantee you, I, I, to this day, I don't know if I even own them because I never read the contracts. Um, <laughs> right. So just depending on who you're dealing with, is, it will dictate what you send out and yeah, how you a- do it. That makes a huge difference, you know. Over the the years, you know, I've gotten people that have sent me emails through LinkedIn or whatever, and you can tell it's copied and pasted because mm-hmm. it's, you know, it, it, they obviously haven't had a conversation with me. I'm more of a director personality or that gold, and so if somebody sends me a five paragraph thing, I'm like, hey, look, I'm get to the point. You know what I mean? I don't want to read mm-hmm. all this. Just tell me the bottom line in the subject line and maybe two bullet points. But that that makes a lot of sense. But you know, the the other side of that is. A guy like me or maybe even a guy like you, I know you're a little bit more of that orange personality. Uh, when we send an email to someone, and it, maybe if they're analytical, we may not be giving them nearly enough details. Correct. So you've know, you got to be careful about that as well, I guess. So that, that, makes, that makes a lot of sense. Well, I, uh, go ahead. I was going to tell you that I can, I'll give you a quick hint on, on uh, when you get in, in, in any emails, how you can tell what type of personality they are with just a real quick look. On the signature line, if they're analytical – they're going to have their name, their title. They'll probably have the company name again. They'll have their address, their phone, their fax. They'll have their website. They'll have their email. Uh, that's the analytical type. When you get to the socializing type, uh, which is the orange, uh, the, they may have their name. They'll probably end the email with best, and um, they'll have maybe one line under there, which will be their phone number. Uh, when you're talking about the nurturing type, uh, those are the kind of folks that actually would normally have an email 
at the uh, at the bottom of the email they have some kind of a slogan like be all you can be gandhi or some kind of a quote our children are our future uh, and so using these types of tools you can very quickly tell what type of personality they are and then respond and reply appropriately gotcha got that that's good practical advice so that that's a great place to kind of finish up the segment you know, in in uh, in going through next, we're going to be talking to Philip about some of his entrepreneurial experiences, some of the wins he's had, some of the losses he's had, and really just uh, you know practical ways to get through that that entrepreneurial experience. He's truly a serial entrepreneur. He's he's currently, I think, involved in about three different businesses. So tune in next right here on KBCE, Texas Money and Business, and the Ambitious Radio Network. We are back on Texas Money and Business. So good to have you right here. Doug Parker and a very special guest joining us for Ambitious Radio Network. Doug? Yes, sir. We've got Philip Vivier, our very own South African prodigy <laughs> entrepreneur. Uh, just, I mean, this guy can do it all. Uh, Philip, thanks for joining us on the show today. I've really enjoyed hearing you know, your story from really uh, you know, your time in South Africa and as, as an orphan and, and really – uh, making some lemonade out, out of some lemons that were dealt to you in life, and and then coming to America and, and really, you know, taking advantage of the American dream, uh, going you know going through the process, you know, working you know working hard to to get where you're going, and that's what I want to talk about on this segment. Let, let's talk a little bit about some of the companies. I know you mentioned you had a pretty successful uh, printing company whenever you were in Houston, and and let's just kind of talk about that transition. I know that you were able to sell it, and then you said you did some stuff in, in sales in the radio business, and but let's just talk about some of your entrepreneurial experiences over the past uh, 20 or 30 years. Sure. Well, first of all, let me tell you that America is absolutely the land of opportunity, and I don't believe that I could have achieved anything anywhere else in the world that I've achieved here, period. It just It just wouldn't happen. Uh, so very, very blessed and very pleased to be in America and, and quite frankly, to be an American. So don't let the accent fool you. <laughs> I am a uh, fully fledged and American citizen, baby. Um, well, that's, that's fantastic. I mean, I'll tell you, a lot of people take that uh, you know, for granted. And like, as I mentioned earlier, I'm a good old East Texas boy, but I, I was born here. I didn't do anything special you know, to be born here. And by God's grace, you know, here mm -hmm. I am in, in the land of opportunity. And, and you, know, you got here as quickly as you could, but not everybody uh, has that opportunity. There's people that are born, you know, somewhere else, and they just never can make that hop on an airplane Correct. to get over here. So that's that's great that you, you recognize that. Yeah, it's uh, honestly, I'm so grateful for it. Uh, there, there are no words, and and you know, we have three children, and all three kids are are American. I've got a kid in uh, Indiana University. I've got another one in senior in high school. And I've got another one a freshman, and it's I'm, I'm living the American dream. Is is in a nutshell what I'm doing. Um, so a little bit about the, the companies, uh, had a successful company in Houston, ended up selling it in 2003, moved to Dallas, got into radio sales, um, primarily selling for a country station. And I had no country experience whatsoever. Real quick, funny story. I had a concert company, a promoter call me one day. It's my second day on the job, uh, wants to buy some airtime for an upcoming concert and says to me that the artist is Aaron Watson and wanted to confirm that we actually do play Aaron's music, to which I reply, well, I'm pretty sure we play her music. I'll double check. The guy <laughs> says to me, well, when you've confirmed that you play his music, why don't you call me back? I had no clue. Um, and like, fortunately, I actually had uh, the, the good fortune to meet Aaron Watson a couple of years later and told him the story and he was hysterical. But um, I had no idea about uh, country music or the artist or anything like that. 
did that for a couple of years, loved it. Um, then I actually went on to uh, Clear Channel, did some stuff there, which was super exciting. But just the entre entrepreneurial bug just kept biting me. And so I went back into the uh, the printing world, but wanted to change the way in which we did it. And in the old days, and what a lot of folks are still doing today, unfortunately, the, the old timers, if you will, they are still doing it the old fashioned way where they've got the press, they've got the all that stuff in the back and they're trying to produce everything locally. And I wanted to turn it upside down um, to where we could actually become, if you will, the Amazon of print and promotional items. And so what we did was we invested in technology where we now uh, are based in uh, Edison, Texas. The company is called Print Abilities and we are the technology firm that manages the procurement and fulfillment of all marketing materials for many, many clients throughout the country. Uh, we're probably in 39 or 40 states that we have clients in and depending on where they are will dictate where we actually print and then ship and of course everything is uh, cheaper, better and faster and so uh, that's a pretty cool thing. So we turned we turned the printing industry on its head and basically did, redid everything and it, it's turned out to be uh, super successful. So that's that's the one thing that I'm involved in and uh, you know, thankfully it's it's been a blessing. Then uh, about three years ago, I was in need of a dentist, and I typed in dentist and my zip code into Google. And, and now I you're a dentist? Up, I'm sorry? And now you're a dentist? <laughs> Trust me, you don't want me drilling. <laughs> but I typed in dentist, and I typed my zip code in, and uh, found one of the dentists that happened to be up there of the 262,000 results that showed up. Went to see this dentist, and uh, the dentist uh, did not do a very good job and, in fact, caused me to end up having to have a root canal. Mm. And um, I just felt like there had to be a better way to be able to search for something and find not 200,000 results or even 18. I just wanted a great recommendation of a local service or whatever it is that I was looking for. Well, it didn't exist. And so I did something about that, and I started uh, contracting with some folks. And we built a website. And so the, one of the latest things that I'm involved in is a, is a company called Pipsit, uh, P-I-P-S-I-T.com. And what that is, it's basically to local what Google is to the world. So when you go to Pipsit, you can actually type in dentist or any keyword associated with dentist, and they can have as many as they want, from toothache to tooth filling, uh, root canal, whatever they do, whatever they want, as many as they'd like. And when you do that and you put in the zip code that you're in, It'll give you the, the one and the only one that is credible, that's listed right there and then, that comes highly recommended by people. So that's the new deal that, we are, that we're working on. It's just recently launched. We're having some real good success with it and um, starting to add people and starting to branch out into different zip codes. And right now, DFW market about to go into Austin and then we're going nationwide. Okay, very good. Now, one of the things that we had talked about the other day was a little venture that you had gotten into that was in the kind of the direct sales world. And, you know, during these uh, these interviews, you know, I'm running across more and more folks that are either entrepreneurs or people that really want to be entrepreneurs. But as as you and I have both done over the years, I mean, we've stubbed our toes on on a couple different things, and and one of them we stubbed our toe on together. But, um, you know, essentially. When you jump out there as an entrepreneur, you know sometimes you're jumping in the deep end with no floaties and sharks swimming around, and I mean it's it's scary. So so yep. many people nowadays they're they're doing these franchise or franchise-like models. They may do you know to get a McDonald's, I think it's like a 
quarter of a million or half a million dollars to get a McDonald's because they've got a proven system. And so with direct sales, there are often opportunities that, uh, that you can get into where the system's already there. You can still do it kind of part-time in addition to your, you know, nine to five that you've got until you get enough money coming in to, to fully consider, you know, jumping, uh, jumping out and getting away from the corporate environment. So mm-hmm. t- tell me about that, that, the direct sales thing that you're involved in. I know it had to do something with merchant accounts and some other stuff, but tell me a little bit about that company and, and what are you doing with it? I'll tell you, um, about a couple of months ago, I got approached by a gentleman by the name of Jim Talbert, who was uh, putting together a company. It's called MyUSAInc.net. And it's a direct sales company um, that isn't just one product or one service. The guy's a genius. He's put together this this business plan where he's got different business silos. Uh, so if somebody is into vitamins, they can certainly go ahead and sell the vitamins and use them if they if they want to do merchant services. Merchant services is a big business right now because they're getting ready to change the law with regard to who's going to be liable for any fraud that happens. So that's a big business right now. There's printing on there, and there's going to be some others that he adds. But the way that I look at it is if you are an entrepreneur or a sales guy and you want to go out and start your own deal, you need money, and you need money, and then you've got to do everything yourself. I've done that. You've done that many, many times. And uh, what, what this company affords someone like myself to do is we can go in there and have all of the backing that we need with regard to all of the admin and everything, and I can go and sell all of those products myself, and I can do fantastically well. But we know that if you want to do super well, that you need employees. You need more salespeople. Well, in the entrepreneurial world, one of the big problems is as you add employees, or at least salespeople, you need more employees in the back office to help support them. And right. so that's where the direct sales things come in, because as you bring on these more quote-unquote employees or salespeople who go out and do the same thing that you're doing, not only are they not actually costing you money, but they're, you're act- they're actually making you money because you're, you're making money on their efforts as well. Uh, I am a huge believer in this. I've, I've invested in the company in a big way, and, and I believe that this is going to be the absolute next biggest, best thing that's out there. Cool. Well, that sounds fantastic. Well, you know, like uh, like many entrepreneurs, you know, you get going and, and sometimes, you know, the, the next shiny thing that pops up, uh, you know, you're, you're focused on that and then, then there's something else shiny pops up. And so I know how that can go. Uh, part of that is is your, you know, just uh, nature to to grow things, to mm-hmm. create things. It's 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 a natural uh, feeling. Some people, uh, they're 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 scared of it. You know, there's fear and there's a little acronym um, that uh, F-E-A-R, false evidence appearing real. Uh, mm-hmm. And so, you know, when you get out there and like I said, you're, you're swimming with the sharks, it's, it's a little different world. However, it can be very, very rewarding. And, you know, over the years, uh, done several, several different things. And I think that that direct sales model, whether it's with that particular organization you're talking about or, or others, there's definitely some value in the the models that are put in place because it, it it creates that environment where the back office and some of the other things that entrepreneurs frankly are not typically good at mm-hmm. uh, it, it creates an environment where someone else handles that stuff and then you can do what you're good at which is you know training people or promoting uh, the products and those kind of things so as we uh, wrap up again on on, on this uh, particular segment you know we uh, we really enjoyed hearing you know your different stores the different companies that you're involved in after uh, the break, we'll be discussing a little bit more uh, with Philip and, and some of the interesting situations that he's gotten into, some of the uh, 
different things in, in his businesses that uh, were, were uh, really life-changing. And uh, we'll also talk about advice for entrepreneurs. So tune in right after this break right here on KBC on Texas Money and Business and the Ambitious Radio Network. It is Texas Money and Business right here with Ron Taylor. Doug Parker is our host for Texas Money and Business today, and of course, the Ambitious Radio Network, and a wonderful guest joining us on the show. Doug? Yeah, we've got Philip Vivier here with us today, and you know, I always enjoy hearing Philip. You know, there's never a mistake whenever we talk on the phone or whenever I've I've got him right here in front of me. You know, his voice is is so unique. He's got that South African accent, and <laughs> you know, uh, Philip and I go way back. And you know, uh, when it comes to you know entrepreneurs. You know, it's it's a it's a uh, it's biblical in that there is a uh, a quote in Proverbs or a verse in Proverbs that talks about he who walks with the wise will become wise, but the companion of fools will suffer harm. And so, uh, definitely over the years, I've, I've had some situations where I've suffered some harm by dealing with fools, and and then I've uh, I've gotten some wisdom uh, from folks as well. But uh, Philip, you know, let's talk about a couple of maybe things that that have stubbed your toes, you know, over the years, you know, with with entrepreneurism, everybody loves the not having to work for a boss anymore, being able to work whatever hours you want to. And, you know, I jokingly talk about working half days and, and, you know, I'm not talking, you know, eight in the morning till noon, I'm talking seven in the morning till seven yeah, at 12 night. Hours. That's, yeah. 12 <laughs> hours. That's my half day. And, you know, a lot of people, they want the freedom without the responsibility, but let's, let's talk about maybe a couple of things so that entrepreneurs are prepared because it's not all sunshine and rainbows. There's there's situations that that come up, but let, let's talk about some different uh, experiences and some of the things that you've ran into and, and how you learned from that. I know you were, you successfully sold a business in Houston, so that had to be a pretty uh, exciting time. So how how did you come about selling the business? What was it that prompted you to do that? Yeah, I'd, I'd, I'd had it for sixteen or seventeen years, and uh, I, I honestly I was just burnt out, and I wanted to do something a little different with uh, with my life. It was uh, it was successful, and uh, I was able to sell it and, and do well. And uh, you know what what better than to move your entire family to a totally different city to go into a business and industry that you'd never been in before, in a city selling radio that you didn't know anything about. Uh, so um, you know, if I had to do it all over, would I do it in a heartbeat, in an absolute heartbeat? But I will tell you, uh, I think I think some great advice for entrepreneurs who are, are looking to get into their own. Uh, business of some kind, you know, it's not always about the, in fact, it's never about the top number, man, we all as entrepreneurs want to go out and, and, and we want to hit the big number at the top. The sales number has to be the big number, uh, you know, whether it's $20,000 a month or $200,000 a month or whatever that number is. But there's two things that dictate whether that number is any good or not. One is your accounts receivable, which let's face it is a promise. And most times, uh, more times than not, it's a sometimes broken promise. Um, and then the other thing is that top number has to filter through a whole bunch of different numbers to get to a bottom number. And one of the one of the big mistakes these entrepreneurs make is where, as they're growing that top number, they're not watching any of the numbers in between. So even though the top number is bigger, by the time they get to the bottom number, it wasn't worth the effort because they're actually making less money. And boy, was that an eye opener for me in, in a couple of businesses that I that I was doing. And so, man, if, if I had to do that part again, I would... Don't when you're looking at a profit and loss or anything like that. Don't just look at a top number and a bottom number. You've got to pay attention to the middle. You just have to. You know that that's that's a that's a great point there. You know, there's there's been businesses over the years that 
uh, you know, that I've been involved in, we've been involved in, and you've been involved in all, all different ways. But uh, when you look at that, that top line number, I mean, it's always an exciting number to, to break the next barrier of, of whatever it is, whether it's, you know, hitting, you know, five digit or, or six digit, you know, monthly revenue numbers. And, you know, the bottom line is, as they say, the bottom line, right? And mm-hmm. so it's a literal uh, a literal thing, the bottom line. And so, so many entrepreneurs, I, and this is going to sound kind of, you know, very basic, but we're talking about, you know, entrepreneurs and a lot of startups. You know, a, a simple program like QuickBooks, I remember when I first started my, my, my credit company, um, you know, we've done a little over $50 million in revenue in the last, you know, about, I don't know, 12, 11, 12 years. And, you know, the first six months I was doing it, I literally was keeping up with stuff <laughs> on a, a spiral notebook. I was writing down all the, the numbers and, you know, making the deposits and whatever. I didn't have any accounting system. I mean, I'd gone from, you know, working for a company to, uh, to not working for a company and doing my own thing. And it got to the point where I thought it's, it's, about to get out of control a little bit. And so I called a CPA that had filed my taxes. She happened to be my neighbor and I, and I said, Peg, hey, look, I think I need you to come in and look at, you know, look at my books and or put books together for me or something. And she uh, required us to get a copy of QuickBooks. And I, I don't know, it was like a hundred bucks or whatever it was from Office Depot. And um, ultimately that was one of the best things that I ever did. And I, I'm not plugging QuickBooks or promoting them or anything else. I don't have an endorsement deal with them. But I will tell you that still to this day, we have upgraded QuickBooks to the point where we've got a program now that costs like about I think it was like ten grand with QuickBooks, but it's an enterprise edition. But I'll, I'll share that with you that having those reports, knowing where the numbers are, makes a huge difference because a lot of times so much money's coming in, and as an entrepreneur, we don't like to jack with all the little middle numbers or hey, what's this or what's that. We want the vision, thirty thousand foot view, not the fine details. But the detail, the devil's is the devil is in the details. Absolutely, and I, I definitely, uh, you know, recommend that that people keep up with their their books. Get somebody, whether it's personnel, it's internal or an external CPA, to keep up with that stuff. Because if you don't, you know, you'll look up and it taxes, and you'll feel like you. And here's another thing too, as an entrepreneur, you'll feel like you made a bunch of money, and and you may or may not have paid all your your taxes. I mean, that's one of the biggest things that I've seen with entrepreneurs over the years is they get behind on their taxes. They make a ton of money, and they just either don't pay their taxes or the sales tax or something goes haywire on them. And, you know, that they say, death and taxes, man, they're going to get you. Both of them are, <laughs> and um, one way or another. So you got to make sure and, and, and take, care of, take care of those things. Um, you know, let's, let's also talk about, you know, um, you've written a couple of books, or I mean, I know you've written a book that says, you know, Stop Selling, Let Them Buy. And yes. in that, you've got a lot of, of personality type things. I know it's it's out there on on Amazon. And again, anything that we discuss or, or talk about, we'll put it on uh, the the Ambitious Radio Network or ambitiousradio.com. And uh, on Facebook, you can go in and like us or, or check out what's what's on there. So we'll put this put this up where you guys can look at it today. But let's talk about that book as we kind of wrap up this segment. You know what sure. what you know what caused you to actually write it? What kind of feedback have you gotten? Uh, and what's it, what's it like to be a published author? I'll be honest, with regard to the published author comment, uh, I, I don't, for some reason, I just don't view myself as an author. I just don't, even though I do have a book that's out there and published. Um, but the reason why I wrote it, quite frankly, was I was doing, you know, I had a lot of success utilizing the tools that are in the book with, uh, with going out and getting big sales numbers without actually trying to sell anything. People were actually buying it from me based on the way that I was talking to them, my understanding of how they brain worked and how they made decisions. And so 
I started doing a whole bunch of training seminars and I was training folks and they would come up to me after the training and they'd say to me, well, you know, where can we get more information? And I was like, I don't know. And do you have a website? Well, no. What about a book? Well, no. So I took one summer and while my kids were swimming at the pool at the local YMCA, I had a laptop and I was just banging away at the keys, uh, writing this book. And so I put it together in a summer um, and then uh, got it published. And funny enough, when it went to ebook, the majority of the books that are being sold now are ebook, and a huge amount of them are actually being sold in Australia and Great Britain for some weird reason. Really? Not sure why. Yeah, it's well, kind of interesting. That's, that's probably because they speak your language. <laughs> Could be. Um, but with regard to the success, um, you know, I've, I've, you know, obviously I trained some of your guys, and I think we had success there. And then the other companies that I was involved in, it, it's a whole different approach to sales. Uh, when, whenever you're talking to a sales company or sales team and you tell them, stop selling, the managers look at you like you're absolutely insane. But I do that and I tell everybody that and I preach it because, man, I promise you the day you stop selling is the day you're going to make a killing in sales. You just will. Sure, and that's that kind of what the book's about. Yeah, that makes that makes perfect sense. Well, we've got a couple minutes left, and I, I know you 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 talked about one of your favorite books was a, a book you had just got and finished reading. It was it was called Soldier of Finance by by Jeff Rose. But Jeff Rose, what, yeah, yeah. What was it about that book that that you liked? You know what I like? It's 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 an incredible book, and I highly recommend everybody read it because it really helps all aspects of of finance within a within a person and a family. But because it's based on the on the soldier side of things, he talks about having a battle buddy. Which you would want to have in in war, and if you you know you you want to have it in training, and so too in your financial world, you're going to want a battle buddy, whether it's your wife or anybody else that you're close with, that you can truly tell them what your intentions are, and then be accountable to them. Because let's be honest, if you want to achieve something, no matter what it is, you've got to be accountable to somebody other than yourself to make that happen. You just do, and so that's that's. I'm really shortening the book, and I'm not doing it much justice, but man, is it a great book. I highly yeah. recommend. Hey, Philip, if someone wants to get a hold of you and maybe uh, contact you for books or training or something along those lines or just to hear about your entrepreneurial experience, how would somebody get a hold of you? you know, the best way would be a uh, – let me give you a phone number. It's uh, 214-384-5219. Perfect. Repeat that one more time, 214-384-5219. All right, perfect, man. Well, hopefully uh, some folks will give you a call if, if they need some help with training. I know that you have done a lot for us over the years, and we've really gotten a lot out of it, and so I'm appreciative of that. Thanks again, Philip. Have a great day. Yeah, my pleasure. Thank you. Well, that, sound, that sounds like great information, and, and I think we're nearing the, the end of the show here. So, Philip, I want to tell you thanks so much for you know uh, coming in with us today and, and recording and, and going through. I mean, it's such a such a great time with you. I think we've got a lot of good practical information we can take home. Ron, thanks so much for keeping the board under control and, and being the professional that you are. I want to thank our sponsors again uh, here at the Ambitious Radio Network. We could not do it without you. Free electricity, DFW.com, all3reports.com. That's all the number three, reports with an S.com, and repairmycreditnow.com. Tune in on Wednesdays for Texas Money and Business from 10 to 11 Central right here on 1160 KBCE and the Ambitious Radio Network or AmbitiousRadio.com. Uh, next week we'll be visiting with Mark C. Winters who has a passion for helping entrepreneurs get unstuck so they can pursue their freedom. Remember, you can make money or you can make excuses, but you cannot make both. Get out there and be ambitious.
Thank you for listening to Texas Money and Business on 1160 AM KVCE. Tune in weekdays at 10 AM to hear more leading experts giving you all the information you need to know on Texas Money and Business.